Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. was with Lindsay Curry. Lindsay works in educating people to take control of their health, and she's a huge advocate for environmental toxin laws. She works as a beauty counter consultant and mentor, and is also a mother of two beautiful girls. She shares today her story with infertility, her insights, tough moments, and also how her journey ended up bringing her into building a career she didn't really plan on having in the first place. She also shares all the knowledge she has about the toxins and chemicals in our beauty products, and she gives us tips on how to make sure we're not scammed by trendy words like eco-friendly and green that are commonly used in packaging. A quick side note for today's episode, we did have some issues with the internet connection, so this episode was edited to give you the best sound quality product. Hello, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here, and I really appreciate you coming. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to <laughs> okay, excellent. I am too. Um, reading your um, email as we were communicating before, I realized like how much we have in common in our fertility journey. So I'm super excited mm-hmm. to like exchange how you were feeling through it and how I was feeling through it as well. Because I think there's a lot to be to be said about the ups and downs of this journey. So I'm super excited where this conversation is going to go. Uh, me and Lindsay, me and Lindsay met at the Canadian Fertility Show in 2019. I was actually sad because I was looking forward to it this year, but of course because of the pandemic, we're not going to have the live show. But it was uh, my first time there, and it like so many things happened to me there, and I met like a few people that were just like I'm sure are gonna be in my life forever and I feel Lindsay like you're one of them that's amazing yeah so you're just standing there at the beauty counter stand and it looks beautiful and of course like whenever I see anything that claims to be like natural and what I call crap free, right? So this does not have any of the crap stuff. I'm always interested and look at it with my own discretion. We'll definitely talk about that because I definitely want your input in that because there's so much out there that we have to watch for. But I'm always interested and, and you really helped me. And coming into this, I really wish I had taken like a before and after picture because I did get one of the products and it has really helped me with the scars from the breakouts that I had, which was one of the most traumatizing things on on the long list of this journey. Because when I stopped birth control, and then I started some drugs on fertility treatment for IUI, I just had breakouts. And it was like, really, really awful. To, to have like friends coming to ask me like, what is happening? Like pulling me to the side. Are you okay? Because my face was just showing that I was obviously not okay. So I remember sharing that with you and just your approach was so caring and it just helped me with, with a couple of things and tips. And then we just kept in touch and we continue mm-hmm. to be in touch. And I am super excited to, to hear more details about your story because you did get to, to have, to now have your dream family, right? Have two yep. beautiful girls. So mm-hmm. um, I'll let you sort of take the floor and you can start from wherever you want to and just tell us a bit about how you got here. Sure. So first of all, Um, Thank you for reminding me of what a powerful day that was at the Canadian Fertility Show. So my fertility journey started, you know, 15 years ago. And at that time, the conversation just wasn't what it is now. I think that, you know, as, as much as we are hard on social media and all of those things, there's a lot of good happening there too. Um, A lot of conversations are being had publicly now that are making topics so much less taboo 
um, you know, mental health, fertility, um, all kinds of topics that are just more spoken about now. And I think that that's opening up the conversation and is just making things like, you know, your journey through infertility just feel more manageable. And you, they, there's so much more information at your fingertips, which can be a good thing and a bad thing, of course. Um, but, you know, knowledge is power and community is power. And so I being at the Canadian Fertility Show was just such a profound experience for me because of the journey that's got me to where I am now and my own journey with infertility. Um, and meeting women like yourself who were just so open um, to, you know, receiving anything and everything that they could to help them in their journey. And an event like that would have meant so much to me 15 years ago, um, but I just wasn't at my disposal, or at least it wasn't something that I was aware of. And this community and having this conversation is just so important. So my fertility actually was always something that was on my mind. I struggled with so many health conditions as a child that I had many, many doctors. And as I grew into those, you know, the um, transition years and puberty and all that, I had all the doctors around me to help me navigate that time. I had hormonal issues right from the get-go. So, so from a very early age, I was very aware that my body wasn't doing what it was supposed to. So at the age of 16, um, I actually had a doctor tell me that I had several conditions, including um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, PCOS, and, you know, just had a whole battery of tests. And I just knew that, you know, they knew, I knew that things just weren't going the way they were supposed to be going, even at such a young age. And I actually had a doctor tell me that, you know, in a list of symptoms, one of the things was that I would struggle to get pregnant one day. And, you know, that's a lot for a 16 year old to hear. Yeah, um, and probably, probably most wouldn't have even given it any thought, but motherhood for me has always been like, that was always going to be my job. You know, even university, I went to school for graphic design. I got a honors degree in communication. My career path was driven by the fact that I wanted to be home with my family. I just have always known, like many, like many people, that, that parenthood was something that was on my list of, of to-dos. So anyway, it was something that I heard at the young age of 16. I did hear that doctor say I was going to struggle to get pregnant. Of course, I wasn't worried about that in my teens, but it was always in the back of my head. So as I was growing up, the concept of, um, you know, adoption and things like that, those were always on my mind and always a part of my sort of internal um, conversation. But when I came face to face with infertility, once I was married and my husband and I were ready to have a family, to start a family, um, even those many years of knowing and sort of like coming to grips with reality did not prepare me in any way for what it would feel like to actually not be able to conceive. My body just wasn't doing of the things that it needed to do. And despite knowing that I was going to struggle like this, I just... I just didn't know how to deal. Um, I think no mm -hmm. one, no one teaches us what to do with that, the, those right. feelings and that information, right? Absolutely. Do you remember how old, like you were when when you started trying and and it didn't happen? I was in my late twenties, I would say, um, twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like I wasn't young, but I wasn't. I was still in those childbearing years for sure um and um so anyway my doctor has um I've had the same doctor since I was a kid she's incredible and so supportive and she sort of said right from the beginning when you guys are ready let me know I'm going to refer you to a clinic because you are going to need help and there is no shame in that and so we tried you know of course we sort of hoped for the best and we um, once we were getting close to getting, you know, ready to have a family, we did all the, you know, like we did the thing. We pulled the goalie. We just hoped for the yes. best. And we thought, what about a miracle? Let's just pray that we have, you know, something just happens naturally for us. 
Yeah. Um, of course, it's, always, it's good to be hopeful. Yeah, yeah. it's really yeah. good to be hopeful, but it doesn't it doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, it takes a little bit of time to get in, um, but they were just they were exactly what I needed. They stood next to us, explained everything that was going on in my body, and you know the obstacles that we were up against, and they told us they were going to help us through that right until then it was just sort of I'm doing the things that I think I can um but you just I just didn't know I didn't have I didn't know where things were going wrong I didn't know if I was doing something wrong you know there's all those questions so many questions um but then with the fertility clinic they were able to guide us so much more and the conversation was just so much more supportive. And, uh, you know, like I said before, knowledge is power. Like I like to know how things work. As tough as this was, once I had the uh, help of the clinic and the experts, I actually got pregnant on the, I think it was my second cycle at the clinic. And uh, like, it still gives me goosebumps to think that because Mm. it was just such a blessing to have all of these obstacles that were in front of me one month um, and have them be explained to me and all the things that I was going to have to do to conquer this goal and all of the question marks and um, just not knowing how long or whatever. Um, And then to have it, you know, with the, with the experts doing their thing to have that come to fruition so quickly was just an incredible, the magic of science, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Prior to meeting with the clinic and finally having those tools in, in my tool belt, we had, like I said, we had we had been trying naturally, just sort of hoping for the best for a while. And I was just at a point in that journey where I thought, you know, month after month, it wasn't happening. Um, what was I doing? I didn't know. I didn't, you know, we were just doing what we could, trying mm-hmm. to figure out, figure our way along. And I just felt so out of control. I just felt like the one thing that I had always wanted was so completely out of my control. I didn't have any of the tools that I needed to get me there. And I just felt like I was drowning. So um, drowning, that's such a, like, that's exactly the word, right? I just, I know the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think we all tend to do, especially now when we are faced with any kind of uh, challenge, you know, we we take to the internet, right? And we do our research and we try and diagnose ourselves and we try and figure out, you know, we always want to have a problem so that we can have a solution. Yes. And I didn't have that. But what I did do, I just, I dug into research and... I really tried to take all of the things that I thought I could do, take them into my own hands and put myself in the best physical health that I could. You know, like I knew that I needed to eat healthy and drink lots of water, get exercise, but not too much exercise, get lots of sleep, you know, all of those things that we know to be to be healthy. But what I discovered around the same time is that Um, You know, there were lots of things that I was doing in my day, in my everyday that were exposing me unnecessarily to toxins um, Mm -hmm. in my daily routine. And so, you know, these things were everything from, you know, storing my food in plastic containers, reheating food in plastic, you know, using Teflon um, nonstick pans, you know, looking at your drinking water to see what you're being exposed to, filtering your drinking water, simple things like that. And I just decided to take as many things as I could and take back control over them. So I did sort of uh, an overhaul in all the ways that I felt like I could um, in the ways that made sense for my life at the time. So I switched over to glass. I ditched my toxic, you know, those harsh chemical cleaners that I was cleaning my house and my floors with. I just decided to take back control and see what I could do to lessen my body burden and thus hopefully increase function um, just by giving my body the power to detoxify better that I could sort of optimize my health in that way. Yeah, that is so important. Focusing on what you have to, you can control because there's just so much, if not to say everything in this journey, like you can't control, like in terms of making yourself pregnant when you find yourself in this space. 
So focus on that is great because it gives you a task, right? Like you said, most of us are very task oriented and that's why we fall into despair. Like you said, we feel like we're drowning. I know that's so true, that feeling. And then we're just looking for something that we can, that we can fix. I remember, I remember getting like um, results from the fertility clinic and almost hoping that, that there was something wrong for them to tell me, right? Because then Mm -hmm. I I can go and fix it. And it's such a, um, such a sad thing, right? For you to hope that there's something wrong with you so you can mm-hmm. act on it, right? There's a conflict, right? In the in those emotions as well. But the word that, that you use was to, um, to limit the toxins that were mm-hmm. in your house and in your body. And like you said, you know, the food and the water, etc. Mm-hmm. I think limiting is such a good word because when people go into these life changes, they get so overwhelmed because they think, okay, plastic is bad. I'm never going to touch anything that has plastic on it. Receipts, right? Because of the BPA. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't yeah. touch receipts now. So I'm like telling my husband, you're doing the taxes from now on because I'm not touching those receipts. <laughs> like, you know, like when someone hands you a receipt from a store, you're like, oh, like, you know, it doesn't have to be so a hundred percent dramatic of course we each Mm -hmm. have our own styles right of how we apply these changes in our in our life if we go like baby steps or if we take huge steps and do a big cleanup one day or like one big cleanup at a time right it doesn't have to be everything all at once so my question for you is like what do you remember what was your first change or were you a bit like me because I was kind of like that and my kid the kitchen was my first one and Mm -hmm. I just threw all the plastic uh, containers away that kind of stuff like you said the pans the Teflon nonstick pans and then I just bought everything like stainless steel aluminum and um, silicone spoons, wooden spoons, glass containers. Like that was the first thing, but it was like literally one day. My husband yeah. Was, yeah, freaked out on me. So do you remember how your process Absolutely. was? Because we're all different. So when I, whenever I start the conversation with people about starting to be conscious of their toxin exposures and making efforts to decrease them, Um, I always tell people to just start where they are, start with what resonates with them and go from there. Now, like you said in your story for you and for me, that meant a one day overhaul, you know, garbage bags out. We are making big changes. Um, But I want I want people to understand that this is about making progress. It is not about being perfect. So like you said, just because. We know that there's BPAs in receipts. Doesn't mean that you can't ever touch a receipt. It just means when you when you do wash your hands after yes. and um, and say no to them when you don't need to take them. Things like that. Um, it doesn't mean that you can never get takeout food that comes in a plastic container. It means don't reheat that takeout food in the same plastic container. Switch the containers that you're taking your lunch to work in uh, to glass or to stainless steel. And, you know, pitch that plastic Tupperware. Stop buying plastic water bottles um, and bring water from home in a stainless steel water bottle. You know, those are action items that you can take and have real impact on your on your health. It does not mean that you need to do everything perfectly all the time. It's just about making those sort of conscious choices and making them where it fits for you and your family. So for me, like I said, that meant all my plastic Tupperware got donated on that one day I replaced um you know I went to the dollar store I got glass jars for um for foods I got um you know I invested in glass Tupperware and things like that just that was what I needed to do to feel like I had that piece of control back and yes cleaning supplies as well Mm -hmm. I you know like our cleaning supplies have the skull and crossbone right on the bottles you know like we know that those are toxic products And when you realize that your skin is your largest organ and that your skin has the power to absorb chemicals straight into your bloodstream, I think it wakes you up to the fact that, you know, whatever you're cleaning your floors with, 
you know, you're walking on those floors, your pets are walking on those floors. And yes, you're not licking your feet, but you your your feet are absorbing those chemicals through your skin, you know, all of those things matter the there's risk with inhalation when you're cleaning. So there's been Mm -hmm. studies that proved that exposure to harsh chemical cleaners is I don't quote me necessarily on this, but it's it's equated to um, being a smoker. Those chemicals are just so toxic. Even if it's not you that's cleaning your house, or even if you aren't, or you wear a mask or whatever, those chemicals are still absorbed um, in through your skin. Yeah, and I think, you again, know, because we're not educated on that, we think that, you know, the soap, we wash mm-hmm. our hands, We've been washing our hands a lot this year. (laughs) Yeah, so much. We wash our hands and then we think that that is just taking the dirt out of our skin. And that's it, right? Like it's, we learn that it's so superficial. Like we take a shower, we wash our hair because it's to take the dirt oils out of your um, scalp and your hair. We Mm -hmm. like take a shower, we wash like our armpits because they smell, we wash our, Mm -hmm. you know? So then we have this image that it's so superficial. A lot of people don't realize how it just goes right in. Your body's absorbing everything. It's not washing off with the water that you're re- rinsing it. Right? right, right. So the the thing that I like to tell people to sort of like get that fact, um, it's it, if you haven't thought about your skin as being absorbent, think about things like hormone treatments, hormone creams, or the nicotine patch. You know, like those things that are administered in that way you know, because of that fact that because they are absorbed into the skin and much of it goes straight into your bloodstream. That's such a good example. Birth control. I use birth control patches. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they worked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they worked too well. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. So I think we're, we're, we have this, a similar personality with the, with the life changing. It's like from zero to a hundred in one day. Yes, we did it that way, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with doing it sort of step by step. I think there's something to be said, too, that I think from both of our journeys, we did it before, if I'm not mistaken, from your timeline before you went into treatment, right? Yeah, if I was, I was, if I was already in the fertility clinic, it was, I wasn't in like an intense, like IVF situation, injecting drugs and feeling like all um, out Mm -hmm. of sorts. Um, I was out of sorts because I had just been told that my, my body wasn't functioning as I thought it would and that natural pregnancy wasn't, uh, wasn't going to happen for me. So I was yeah. in the sort of desperation mode, but I wasn't um, in like a treatment situation. So I think that for the people out there listening to this, like if you are like so overwhelmed already, right, with the clinic and the treatment and the news and the relationship and the financial burden. There's that mm-hmm. too, right? People Absolutely. are like, how am I going to buy even glass containers? They're so expensive. Mm-hmm. They're so expensive. Um, right? Yeah. So, you know, these, these little investments, like how am I going to throw all my beauty products away and get a whole stash of things? We'll got, we'll get into the, the healthier uh, products. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but mm-hmm. also not cheap, obviously also an investment. And that can be mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I, I'm not in the space to do that. So, you know, I think we need to, like you said, take it easy, do what you can, don't feel guilty for not being able to do everything, right? Yeah, no, this, making these changes should come from a place of empowerment. This should make you feel empowered over your own health. It should absolutely not make you feel burdened. We, you know, those feelings of overwhelm are almost unbearable when you're battling fertility. So I think absolutely this just needs to come from a place of, of empowerment. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Can we go into um, you use the term before uh, greenwashing? Sure. So I would love if you could define and explain that and then maybe also go into how your journey started with working with that, right? Because that's now mm-hmm. like your job. 
<laughs> right, my job. Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> so when I started realizing the power of these sort of everyday repeat exposures to toxins in my home and in my daily life, um, one of the things that I was last to switch, since we're talking about the, you know, what I managed to to do and in that timeline, one of the things that I found most difficult to switch was skincare and cosmetics. But more importantly, until that point in my life, as I dug into sort of research into these hormone disrupting chemicals, I had no idea that something like that, a hormone disrupting chemical, could be in a product like my face wash or my body lotion. Um, that was something that I assumed was government regulated and we were protected from just by shopping in Canada. Um, or the U.S. I I had no idea how unregulated the cosmetics industry was. As I dug more into that particular topic, I discovered how prevalent um, and how pervasive greenwashing is. So greenwashing or health washing is, you know, the concept that I a green leaf, a cute baby, or you know, the word oatmeal on a body wash. And all of a sudden, you as the consumer think, okay, this is great. It's natural. It's or it's organic. It's good for me. But a green leaf does not mean it's good for you. Uh, that's just a, you know, marketing ploy without yes. question. What I didn't realize that words like green and clean and things like that were totally unregulated. What I really needed to do was flip that um, product over and read the ingredients list is easy to feel overwhelmed by, right? How am I supposed to? I don't have time to read ingredients list. I don't, I'm not a chemist. I don't know what they mean anyway, right? Yeah. And so this is a place where overwhelm can certainly come in. And that is what I felt at the time. I thought, I'm not a chemist. I don't know what any of these words mean, let alone discerning between safe and unsafe. And I will tell you about some tools that are at your um, disposal to help you sort of navigate that because you do not have to do it alone. But so greenwashing basically just means that you need to take that into your own hands and do what you can to make good choices. But being aware that those those things are not regulated by the government, that you do need to be checking, I think, again, is another place where you can feel empowered to make good choices. Yeah, for me, the one thing that I focused on first in that area was of products and stuff was the perfume. I'm like, mm, if I can yeah. find at least one shampoo that doesn't have perfume on it, like it was pulling teeth. It was not yeah. easy, um, even at the health store. So mm -hmm. if it's written perfume, correct me if I'm wrong, Lindsay, um, it is a chemical and it is, a, like you said, a hormone disruptor. It's so, estrogen most of the time, and then our body feels like it's having or producing estrogen, and then your body gets all confused, right? So a yeah. lot of the products, even the ones that say they have no scent, still have perfume in it. So that was right. the one so, thing I was focusing on, yeah. So one of the things that I tell people when they are starting to think about the things that they're putting on their skin, so we're talking about everything from your body wash and your shampoo to your lotions, your deodorant, your toothpaste, all of these things, um, men and women, we're both exposing ourselves voluntarily to these um, products and thus these ingredients. One of the things that I say, first off, if there is one thing that you can do um, while shopping is to just flip, flip over that product and avoid any products that say fragrance or perfume. So like you said, the word fragrance actually can include up to 3000 um, ingredients under that one word. It's protected by trade secret law, which basically just means that companies can put any number of chemical ingredients and not disclose them to consumers because they are protected by that law. Okay. Um, I, I didn't I didn't know about this law. So is it something mm -hmm. like um like they're claiming it's like their secret recipe kind of thing? Exactly. Oh, I'm exactly. not going to yeah. tell you all the spices because you could take it. So they use right. the law like, to yeah. then just put whatever crap they want in it. Exactly. So okay. so uh, unfortunately at this 
Yeah, unfortunately, the laws in this industry are protecting the companies still um, instead of the consumer. And one of the things that I look for when I'm shopping is a company that is fully transparent and willing to tell me every single ingredient that's in the products that I'm purchasing. So like we said, with freight, or like you said, one of the worst classes of chemicals often included under fragrance are phthalates. Phthalates um, specifically are a hormone-disrupting chemical, and they help fragrance to actually stick to the skin. So they're very common in fragrance because that's what makes you wash your hands, you rinse your hands, and then an hour later, your hands still smell like that mandarin um, or vanilla hand wash that you used. It's the chemical that helps your laundry to stay smelling like fresh laundry four days later. Eliminating fragrance from your life doesn't just mean taking, putting your perfumes away and them out. It means it means buying an unscented laundry detergent, skipping Febreze altogether, skipping your dryer sheets and opting for wool dryer balls with, you know, I use lavender essential oil on those so that my clothes still smell lovely, um, but without that lingering scent um, that's loaded with those chemicals that we just don't want exposed to our skin. So again, people think laundry detergent, what does that matter? It's washing my clothes, but your clothes are on your body all day long. Um, you're laying in those bed sheets for hopefully, you know, seven or eight hours a night. Um, and so those are those are areas where just making that simple switch to unscented and making sure that it truly is unscented is can can have a real impact on your health. Yes. Yeah. And 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 double check the the back of the label. Right. Right. The back label, not just the front where it says no scent. Right. Yes. Check to make sure that it doesn't say fragrance or parfums. So the other tool that I want to, I feel like I need to tell you about right now, because I, you know, some listeners are probably thinking, holy crap, I had no idea about any of this stuff. There is an incredible not-for-profit organization. It's called the Environmental Working Group, and they do this research for us. So they actually have, I encourage you to check it out. They're ewg.org, I believe. They're the Environmental Working Group. They're a not-for-profit that researches the impact of these chemicals on our health. And they actually have a database. It's called the Healthy Living um, Database, I believe. And in this database, you can find your Maybelline mascara and your body wash and your deodorant. And they actually do the work for you and they rank those products for safety to human health. So not only do they get, you know, a zero to, to 10 rating, they also have a green, yellow and red. So, you know, if yes. you're in a good product, you're taking a little bit of risk or, or it's a product that you should really shut down or oh. put down. Yeah, so, that's great. We'll add those, we'll add all of that information on the notes. So right. people will have access to it. Yeah, absolutely. But so there you can, you can download the app onto your phone, or you can access the the database on the website and there you can like go there I encourage you to go there enter your laundry detergent enter your um, shampoo you know a very good chance that you've already chosen products that are okay or safe but I want you to know time I buy shampoo I'm going to try and choose something that's a little bit better for my health yeah that's great and I think we can also like talking about the balance and how we don't have to be like too extreme all the time, you can then choose, right? Okay, I chose like a good detergent and whatnot. What right now I'm going to choose a shampoo that it's like on the yellow phase or what the yellow grading, right? It yeah. doesn't have to be like 100% or maybe, you know, I really like my lipstick. Lipstick is another one that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like if you like um, strong colors that stay, you know, the natural stuff is not that um that much although we will get into like beauty counter is amazing <laughs> yeah. as i know yeah, yeah. um but you I know it's not always yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um it's just in general very in general yep. so you know if you want to keep your favorite you, you want to keep your favorite lipstick for now until you're ready to change it right and right. then by bit you you go into yeah. it yeah so you're on this like search and on a mission, that's what I mm -hmm. told myself, you know, uh, is that I was on a mission, literally, to, to do all these changes and to, 
to gain control like you were um, talking about. And how did you find um, a beauty counter on that journey? So a beauty counter came into my life many, many years later. So from living life a little bit less toxic started with my fertility journey, but it was only emphasized as things progressed. So like you mentioned before, I now have two beautiful girls. They are five and eight. And when I brought my first baby home from the hospital, there's no, there's no greater feeling of responsibility than that. And, you know, it started with her baby wash and her lotion and her sunscreen, you know, like all of a sudden the skin as, as an absorbent, you know, organ is, is never more clear. And so my passion for seeking out clean, safe products just sort of snowballed from, from back in my infertility days. So when Beauty Counter came into my life about three or four years ago, to give you a bit of a backstory, so Beauty Counter is the leader in clean beauty. Um, we are founded on three sort of pillars. We educate, like we're doing here today, we educate people on um, the importance of choosing safer. We advocate at the legislative level for like true fundamental change at the government level so that we can know that our products are safe if they're in Canada or the US. And we provide a solution through products. So we formulate beautiful, high-performing products um, without the use of over 1,800 ingredients that are linked to human health harm, while also doing and participating in so much research, just making sure that we are moving the needle in terms of discovery, innovation, formulation, all of those things. So when we think about our exposure to chemicals in our everyday one thing that I like to say is, you know, when we think about the chemicals that our grandparents or great grandparents were exposed to, like think about how much the world has changed since those days. You know, the Industrial Revolution introduced over 80,000 chemicals into commerce. Unfortunately, at this point in time, still only 1% of the ingredients approved for use in personal care products have actually been tested for safety to human health. 1%. You know, like there are things like BPAs and phthalates and things like that, that we know have links to human health harm. But then there's all those other ones that we just don't know about. So about four years ago, when, when a friend introduced me to Beauty Counter, I was on this journey to living life less toxic. I had done the overhaul, right? Like, you know, years yeah. before I had done the overhaul, I was, and I was taking my baby steps from there, right? As I moved, as I moved through those years, I would convert product by product and narrowed in on the cleaning products that really worked for me and things like that. I was sort of just developing that healthy home as I went. Um, and Beauty Counter was introduced to me and I sort of rolled my eyes and I thought, great, another company claiming to be clean. Um, you know, yes. <laughs> my fears of greenwashing coming um, coming to the... But as time went on, I my eyes were open to their messaging, work that they were doing at the advocacy level. And it became very clear to me that as a company, they were doing far more than just creating a green product. And they were also doing all of this incredible work in educating and advocating. So it was a company that I had to jump in and be a part of it and to, to take on this education piece for me. So I had been doing all of this work and living life less toxic and having that impact on my own health and my own home and my own children, but I wasn't talking about it. I wasn't telling anybody I wasn't sharing my knowledge and Beauty Counter really gave me that platform and the sort of kick in the butt to say, you know what, you've got something to, to share and people need to hear it. People need to be aware of these impacts and you can give them the tools to make changes and have that impact on their own health. Nice. So then with it's almost like they gave you a, a home and a structure to, to live on and live by to yeah. then pass on this information and uh, that most of most of the information you had already, right? Yeah, like they gave this, me a voice. A I voice mean, and a platform. Yeah. It's so nice that you found 
this this space that you felt safe and empowered to to share and then of course you have all the products that back up everything that you're saying <laughs> yeah. right it's not like you're just yeah. like standing on a stool in the corner just babbling away like they're you're giving people a solution right you dish you right. dish this here's here's something that you can trust how did and you for feel me, the the reception and when you started working with with folks in that um in that sense so for me beauty counter became a safe place that i could shop. they also are our cosmetics are triple tested for heavy metals you know we have incredibly strict limits for in terms of the safety standards so I know that every single batch of product that comes out from this company is is held to those safety standards. And so when I share Beauty Counter with somebody, I'm really just giving them a place where they can shop if they don't want to do the research. And that's what it is was for me. So not only did I not have the time or the desire or the knowledge to read all those ingredients list. I just wanted a place where I could shop and not worry. So when I come to people from a place of education, I think that, you know, beauty counter is just that, that one thing for me, it doesn't have to be for you, but this is, this is a place where you can go and feel safe. Nice. That Do you feel, <laughs> yes, yes. Do you feel like, uh, absolutely. Do you feel like it's changing a bit? Like are the profile of people that are looking for things, are they a bit more educated than they were sure. like a few years ago? Do you think that we're, we're progressing in this line? Absolutely. I think that, you know, beauty counter products are in Sephora right now until the end of the month. And Sephora now has an entire section that is that they they call clean at Sephora. I like that is an absolutely massive leap forward in yes. terms of um, the conversation around clean. I think that consumers in general, not just in this space, but consumers in general are demanding so much more of companies and are just so informed and want to make good choices. They want to support companies that are not just making good products, but are also doing good in the world. So I absolutely adore that trend that, that, you know, the conscious consumer, I think that we've come a hugely long way. You know, you mentioned in wanting, you know, a bright red lipstick or something like that. When I started this journey 15 years ago, there was no such thing as a clean red lipstick. And you're absolutely right. That's why back in those days, I wasn't able to switch over my skincare and my cosmetics because, you know, there weren't a lot of companies that were making clean products. And then within that space, there weren't a lot of products that were really high performing and that you wanted to use and you were excited to wear. So clean beauty has come a really long way. Fortunately, we're in such a, a different space now. Like I said before, all of our color cosmetics are triple tested for heavy metals. So we, yes. when we, we test the colorants before they're used in the formula, we test the formula and then they're tested again when they're done, tested for, for heavy metals. So you know that when you get that bright red lipstick, that it is free yeah. of lead. and Because that's, yeah, yeah, that's a huge one for lipstick, right? The lead. Yeah. Yeah. And how much we we people don't realize that like we were actually eating that lipstick like as you're Absolutely. wearing it and you're talking and you're licking your lips or whatever it is right you're just slowly For eating sure. that yes yeah yeah with your lunch Absolutely. yes exactly <laughs> so I think we talked about how one of the things that I didn't appreciate was that there was a complete lack of regulation around the personal care products industry in Canada and the U.S. Unfortunately, the legislation just hasn't been updated in such a long time that it's just grossly behind the times. Um, one of the incredible things about Beauty Counter is that we go beyond clean. We have an entire department of people at our headquarters that are devoted just to advocating for more health protective laws. So they are not there. They are not employed to formulate products to work on marketing or you know anything like that they are just there to work with lawmakers to push the regulations forward so that all companies 
industry-wide are held to more health protective standards. So this would mean that companies would have to disclose all those ingredients that are under that one heading so that you can make, as a consumer, you can make conscious choices of what you're willing to expose yourself to and knowing what's in each and every one of your products. So we think that that's a fundamental right as consumers in you know Canada and the US. That should be something that we we have the right to choose. You know, yeah. these there's lots there's lots in place in food and drug obviously. You know, we can read everything that's on those labels. We don't have the same protection as consumers in the personal care industry. So I was actually one of the 25 Canadian consultants that got to go to parliament last year and advocate for changes to these laws. So 25 Canadian consultants, along with our um, team from HQ, and we teamed up with another not-for-profit organization, the Environmental Defense. And we went in and we had, I think, 50 meetings over the course of one day on Parliament Hill advocating for reform to the Canadian Environmental Protections Act. We had just a few sort of key asks. And this is just, this is where I say that this journey has given me a voice, you know, to advocate for better for everyone, whether you choose to shop Beauty Counter or not. So that's a pretty cool part of this company. That is pretty cool. As a consumer, it's nice, like where you're, where you're putting your money, right? Um, It's it's really nice to know that a company is doing that. So yeah, thanks for sharing that extra little bit. I wanted to um, rewind a little bit into the mm-hmm. fertility journey to to finish off and ask you, like, I'm sure that even though you had received that news when you were younger, that things would probably be challenging in the house of trying to conceive. It's still, like we mentioned in the beginning, you never see yourself in so much trouble right like when you look in the future you're like you don't imagine yourself being in that situation but it does have its rewards in in the end of the day there are some silver linings and things that we can um, learn to appreciate so I wanted to know from you if you do have any of those to share and if you if you ever really thought about that like as you were going through it and and then when you brought uh, home your girls and as they're growing up like do you reflect back to that time and and how it changed you or anything in that um, in that aspect that you'd like to share absolutely I mean it changed me fundamentally (laughs) I mean there I had never in my life felt so vulnerable and so out of control and it was just such a powerful and transformative time for me at the time you know it was overwhelming and it was painful and it was it was heavy it was all I thought about ever (laughs) so how could that not you know how could that not change me I think in one in one of the reasons that I'm so grateful is because it led me here. It's made me so much more conscious how important it is to take control over your own health, to advocate for yourself in the health system. And it also has made me feel really empowered when I think about, you know, my two girls now who I don't want to go down the same path as me. You know, I mentioned that I was diagnosed with PCOS and endometriosis, and those were two really heavy burdens to bear. But one of the things that really frustrated me as well was that that was not something that ran in my family. You know, I was the first to really experience these hormonal disorders, at least knowingly. And then um, I, you know, to, to not be able to get pregnant for, for such a long time was not something that, that I assumed was coming from my, you know, DNA. And it made me so conscious of how, how much these environmental things, you know, and I'm not just talking about, you know, exposure to plastics and cosmetics and things like that. I mean, you know, the, all of those chemicals that have been introduced into our lives, pollution, 
all of these things are impacting our health. There is absolutely no denying it. And so it has empowered me to do what I can to restrict those exposures for my daughters. And so, you know, one day I will know that I did my best and that I did everything that I could to give them the healthiest and most fully functioning bodies. And I can feel really good about that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it does change us a lot and it changes us as um, individuals and it changes us as um, citizens as well, right? How we mm-hmm. go about the world, how we treat our planet and what kind of, even if we end up, I always think of that because I'm still on the journey, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I don't have my yeah. babies yet. And there's always the chance that I'll I'll end up not bringing my babies home as I I'm hoping for. Right. So, but even then, like, how can I help create a better planet for the kids that are out there? Right. Right. So I think that's important to, to reflect upon. I think when we're, when we're in the situation where there's just so much sadness and Mm -hmm. hopelessness, right. Yeah. I think, you know, when we're overwhelmed, in situations like that, we really just have to choose our focus, right? So choose to focus, you can control or choose to focus on the positive or choose to focus, you know, just choose where you're, where you're putting your energy, right? And while that is so hard to control when you are in that particular journey, because it is so overwhelming and so emotional, I think that giving yourself somewhere to to focus your energy and consciously just focusing on the positives and what you're gaining through struggle, you know, like it's it's very difficult in the time of struggle to appreciate what it's what it's creating in you. But, you know, all of these things change us and they are working for us to build us and sculpt us into the person that we are going to become. And while you can't necessarily see that where you're sitting, just knowing that this is getting you somewhere, this is, you know, this is transforming you into a greater, stronger, more grateful person, you know, like you can you can sit there and be so grateful for the things that you do have and the health that you do have and now on the other side of this for me i am so profoundly grateful for my children and that i get to do this motherhood thing it never it is never lost on me how lucky i am and how it could have gone the other way and i'm getting goosebumps i'm going to cry but it's, I, I just I, it's made me such a grateful, grateful human um, for everything, for all of the things that I have been blessed with. Yes. I like to, um, most of the time I know the answer, but I like to to ask it anyways, to give people perspective. Um, If you could go back to when you were on your late twenties and just started to conceive Mm -hmm. and given the option to get pregnant right away, knowing what you know now and knowing how you wouldn't go through the changes probably Mm. um, would you take it wow that's a tough one I don't know can always be an answer (laughs) I mean I I think the honest answer is yes I would have taken it but but now right like now knowing that what I went through changed me again it's we're in different places you and I right like I am on the other side and I can say that this was good for me and it made me a better person it made me a better mom and it made me an advocate for change and a voice and I can do so much with that but when you're in the pain of it I would have taken it then right one yeah. thing that I that we one thing that I didn't mention was that I did lose one pregnancy before I was with the fertility clinic. You know, people would say to me, and I didn't talk to a lot about this at the time, but people would say, "Well, at least you know you can get pregnant." That's All a hard of, one to hear. 
it was. And like there, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's nothing there's, there are no right words to say. And now that perspective means, you know, that's, I could have seen it that way. I could have seen it as, you know, you're right. At least it does mean that I can get mm. pregnant, but it didn't feel that way at the time. It just felt like my dreams had been just like stripped from my hands and that I had never been so close. And um, then it was taken yeah. from me. And so again, I think that it's, it's, perspective but that's exactly what this question is you know it's we are all in different parts of our journey and we might answer differently depending mm -hmm. on when you're where you're where you're being asked that uh, right mm -hmm. if we're if we had a time machine but yeah. um but it's the perspective i think it's it's nice for for us to hear for whoever is listening that's also in my situation that we're not there yet in the end mm -hmm. of of this dream, right? Because life has just so many after we realize one, then there's another dream and another dream. And if one doesn't work, then there's something else that we can look forward to. But um, listening from you, it's it's nice to to hear how we can learn to, to appreciate. Um, and no one's gonna ask me that question, but I, if I just answered, I would still answer that I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't go back seven years mm -hmm. ago and just get pregnant because I know that today I'm a better person. I'm a better citizen to the world, like everything that I have learned. And I know that I will be a better mother for it whenever and however that happens. So I think it's just, it's just giving perspective and, and wh wherever we are in our journey, we can take that information with a grain of salt, however we can. But I think it's nice to, to talk about it. When I was going through this myself, we had a few people, a few close friends that we were talking about this with, but it wasn't something that the, the conversations publicly, you know, like we, I, I mentioned earlier in the, in the, in this podcast, social media, these conversations are having, you know, like we are, are being had, we are opening up the dialogue around these often internalized struggles so that there is support and there is community um, and I think that the power in that is allowing you to have some perspective and to get out of being in your own, you know, feeling trapped in your own thoughts and feeling alone in that way. I totally agree. I totally agree. So Lindsay, to wrap it up, if you don't mind um, going through like what you're up to nowadays and uh, where you're most active on social media and how people can find you. Sure. So I think I'm most active on Instagram and I would absolutely love to connect with all of you over there. Um, my Instagram handle is at well.by.design, um, well.by.design. And over there, I just talk about all of the ways that we can take control back over our health and those environmental exposures that we um, that we have control over and just getting you back in the driver's seat. And I have a quick little um, one-sheeter that gives you nine practical steps that you can take to start today to start detoxing your home and your body. Now, these are everything... Um, from, you know, saying, saying no to the receipts to taking your shoes off at the door. They do not necessarily mean you have to spend a lot of money or a lot of time or do a lot of research. This sheet is really intended to give you, you know, easy steps that you can take to start today. So I encourage you to download that and see what makes sense for you and what you think you can start implementing. Um, and then follow me on Instagram please reach out to me. I would love to help you and guide you as you make some of these changes. That is absolutely what I'm here for. I would love to walk side by side with you and, and help you to find ways to have these influences over your health. So reach out to me on Instagram and I would love to that's great, Lindsay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Like we've been talking a while now. Thank you. Really? <laughs> yes, it was so good. We'll share all the information on the notes. We'll we'll keep communicating to get all those links. And um, I'm sure, yeah, I'll see you on, on Instagram. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Lindsay is such a nice and easy person to chat with. And I'm so grateful to have met her. 
I hope you enjoyed the conversation today and learned new things that you can apply to your lifestyle. I also would like to share that since this interview, I have been more involved with the Beauty Counter program. So check my affiliate link in the notes of this episode if you wish to try out any of their products. I highly recommend it. Their stuff is really amazing and you can shop worry-free knowing that they're clean and safe. If you want more details, you can DM me on my Instagram accounts at myfertilityjourney.ca or my personal one at Bianca Bolician, and I can help you with the best products to start with. Lastly, um, have a wonderful week, everyone. Don't forget to be kind to yourself, to your neighbors, and the planet. We need it now more than ever. Big tight hugs to everyone and I'll see you next week. This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people. You can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca. And if you want to keep in touch, find me on Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, leave a review to support the show, and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. Love you all, and I'll see you soon.